This morning we're going to turn in the Word of God to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. I'm going to read this psalm with you and then consider the thoughts from one verse particularly. Psalm 145. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts. And I will declare thy greatness. They shall utter, abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfieth the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him, he also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. And may the Lord bless his word to us for Jesus' sake. This morning I want us to think particularly on the words of verse 18 where it says the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth. I want us to think on that and I am entitling then our time in the word nigh to the caller. Our God is nigh to the caller. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Lord, we pray that you will meet with us in the Word, through the Spirit, within our hearts, 
to the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray that thou wouldst take the word and allow it to be that which is the instrument of God to draw us, to pare away what needs to be taken away, to build up what needs to be built up, to satisfy the hunger of the heart and the thirst of the soul. Lord, we pray that you will minister to us in this place, minister through the Spirit of God and through the Word, we pray. Help me as I servant. I ask for the leading and the helping of the Spirit of God through our time together in the Word. And Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. There are, in this psalm, many wonderful, wonderful descriptions of the Lord's person and the ways in which He makes Himself known among His people. We are told of the greatness of the Lord, or we might put it the splendorous abilities of God, and that they are beyond our ability to comprehend. So says verse 3. We are told that his goodness is not just what man can imagine, but it goes beyond any kind of measure. His compassion is sweetly presented in connection with his graciousness and his absolute control of his anger is far beyond what man can perceive. Then we are told that he is the God of mercy. Mercy that endured from generation to generation. It flows to men who have no right to it. Indeed, mercy would not be mercy if we had a right to it. But God flows mercy where men is at his worst. And there are some of us in this room that would be able to say, and I know that that is true, because that was the case for me. Verse 14 begins a listing of how tenderly the Lord upholds his frail and failing people. Now I would say this part of the psalm from verse 14 onward is a part to give very careful thought to. In fact, I would even suggest it's a part you might even want to commit to memory. Our text is in this portion. And it speaks, that is our text, of the tenderness of a father bending low to hear the call of a son in need. That's the picture. A father bending low to hear perhaps the whispering and halting and perhaps even somewhat confused voice of a son. We would note that our text says that he is nigh to the caller. 
Now, I want you to understand. I want, uh, I want you to think with this, on this with me. It says he is nigh to the caller. I want you to see that it does not say that he draws nigh to the caller. He is nigh to the caller. And I say the difference is of very great import. And I want us to think on that this morning. The Lord is nigh to those that call on him in truth. I want us to think about that. But before we go one further, one thought further, I want to establish that the whole of what we are about to consider must be understood in the light of those words in truth. Those that seek, those that call, those that come in truth. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means, very plainly, that those that call on the Lord must be sincere. There are no phony motives or false reasons that can be seen if you are in truth. There must be a genuine and I underscore genuine reaching out to the Lord, not just a formal formality or a ritualistic effort. But most of all, it must be in the truth. It is calling on the basis of what the Lord Jesus has done. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are to be those who call on the basis of what Christ has done for us. On the basis of what he has achieved before the throne of God. On the basis of what he pleads before the throne even now as our great high priest. And I say he is the reason. He is the reason that God the Father is nigh. Oh, that we would let that sink into our mind. Christ is the reason why God is nigh to the one who calls upon him. Not comes nigh, not somehow manages to come after a certain amount of time, but he is nigh. He cannot be other than that. He is nigh to those that call upon him because of Jesus Christ. Let that be the framework for our thinking this morning. And having said that, I've got just some very simple points I want you to think with me about as we consider this truth. The first thing I want us to think on is this. He, meaning God, He is nigh in order to cause us to call. Think about that. We often think that we are at some distance from God. And when we call to Him, He has to come to us. And... Oftentimes when we're in that frame of mind, we're never really sure whether he does come to us or not. We are still doubters and filled with unbelief. My point is this, and I say the truth is, that the reason that any one of us that trusts in the Lord Jesus calls to the Father in a time of need is because he is nigh before we call. And then prompts us by the Spirit of God to call to Him. You're not going to just by your own decision and your own abilities start calling upon the Lord as if something rose up within you to do that great spiritual work. No. 
God is nigh, and because he's nigh, he touches the heart of those that believe in him to call to him. And sometimes you and I would say, well, I didn't think I was ready to call upon the Lord. But there I was. You know, I think this simple truth brings some light to a very familiar verse. And that is Isaiah 65, verse 24, that says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The Lord says, I've already begun the process of hearing and answering before the call is ever made. Why would, why would that be? Because he is nigh to us because of Jesus Christ. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are in the presence of the Father's mind at all times. He is nigh to us because of what Christ has purchased to bring to us. Before we call, he's already nigh. He's already considering our need. He's already answering. Now, I want you to consider another verse in the light of that. Think on Hebrews 4.16. You know this verse. You can quote this verse. I'm fairly certain. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My thought is this. If the Lord is prompting us to come by his mercies, by the compassion that he shows, by the graciousness and goodness of God, if he is prompting us to come because we are nigh to him, does that not destroy the hesitations that we feel so often because of our failures and our sins? I say, well, it puts them away. If I know, if my heart understands, I'm coming to the Lord because he wants me coming. Well, that puts away any hesitation for me to come. In fact, I think in some ways that explains the numerous times that the Lord Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. And perhaps it's also a framework upon which those words that are spoken in John 14 hang. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Believe because you are now in a position through faith in Jesus Christ where God himself, seeing the need of your heart, seeing what is needful in your life, prompts you to pray. He is nigh in order to cause us to call. Second thing. He is nigh to hear when our voice is faint. Well, there's a good picture, isn't it? When somebody has a very faint voice, can barely speak, I'm quickly approaching that place, um, you draw nearer to that person. What? Okay, I, I hear you now because I'm closer. Oh, yes. My thought, though, is there will be many times when we believe that we just do not have the strength or the wit or even the heart to pray. You ever gone through a moment like that? Well, you almost are convincing yourselves when you do go through moments like that. Well, I'm certain that the Lord's not going to hear me because, wow, I can't even begin to formulate my words. We consider such times as times of failure. 
and that our prayers are going nowhere and that we will not be helped. Oh, I say, child of God, when the voice is dry and raspy because of weeping that has been taking place, the Lord is nigh to hear. He does not miss it. When sickness takes the powers of life to a low ebb, he is still able to hear because he is nigh. When the mind is so distressed or weary that there can hardly be the putting together of thoughts, he is still able to hear clearly. I think that's one reason why you have David saying, what time my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He is nigh. We also find that in those times, he's not just hearing, but he's also sending the Spirit of God to help. Helps us by prompting us, helps us by providing for us. You say providing? Yes. The Spirit of God is a great provider. He provides you thoughts of the Lord Jesus. He provides you the Word of God at just the right moment. He provides you honest sights of yourself. He provides you insight to see what you will not get from this world. Oh, he is a great provider. And he he is a great miner, if you will, too, for he mines the word of God and allows the treasures that are there to be applied to our hearts. Now, you young people, you think it may be a hard thing to memorize the scriptures. Sometimes it is a hard thing. You know why it's so hard? Because the devil doesn't want you to do it. Your flesh doesn't want you to do it. But it's a wonderful thing to do. Because there will be times that you will need to hear the word of God to your heart. And the Spirit of God will bring it. And it will be just what you need to get you through some of the toughest times. Some of the darkest days. Some of those days when stress sweeps over you like a tidal wave. The Spirit's there to tell you to rest. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. He shall bring it to pass. The third thing I will point out is this. He is nigh to see all within us. Now this does include the Lord's ability to see the state of my heart entirely. He knows me. He knows you through and through. He also sees our needs. He understands our needs through and through. You know, if the Lord was limited to helping us to only the, our ability to be able to describe to him what our need is, we'd have some problems. But the Lord sees beyond our needs. He sees the fullness of it. He sees all that's going on. He sees the beginning of it from the end of it. And one wonderful thing that you have to know is that he is never forgetful of what he sees our needs to be. He's not going to say, well, 
I saw it, but I forgot. That's me. That's you. That's not him. But I say, in the light of what I just said as our heading, he sees, he's nigh to see all that is within us. The sweeter thought is that the Lord can see what issues there are that burden the heart. He knows how far the wounds of sin and sorrow have gone. He knows what extent the confusion may be in your mind and heart of what to do next. He knows it all before the before my mind was thinking just this morning as I was thinking about this thought of how the Lord knew the beginning from the end um, of that moment when Jeroboam's wife, maybe you remember, Jeroboam's wife came to the prophet Ahijah and before she ever came to the door, the Lord told Ahijah 100% of why she was there, what was going to happen and so forth. And then he offered the sad news about her child, of course. But that it just struck me, the Lord sees all he knows about it all. The whole of my situation is before him. Now I'm going to take a step back and say, that's not something that you and I would ought to say that is anything other than encouraging. How encouraging is this? How wonderful is this? When my voice is lifted to the Lord, he is in full understanding of all that concerns me before I say a word. Now, you and I have a hard time grasping that. The reason for that is that we oftentimes assign to the Lord traits that are of us. Well, the Lord's not like us. Thankfully, praise God, he's not like us. So filled with unbelief that we just become clouded in our thinking. I was thinking also of those two men that were walking on the road to Emmaus, their hearts were so overwhelmed with them that they couldn't really think. They could; they were, they were just talking. And the Lord Jesus, of course, comes along beside and starts explaining to them what it was that really happened. But he has to say to these men, it was a word of rebuke. Oh, slow of heart to believe. Oh, slow of heart to now. The Lord rebukes unbelief when he sees it, for it is needed. But one thing I'll tell you about the Lord's rebukes. His rebukes only ever soften the burden. They never make it greater. When the Lord brings the hand of chastening to bear, it always heals. His words heal, they never wound. His chastenings cleanse. They never make things worse. And even though we come in weakness of faith, we are well known and received in goodness. The Lord is nigh. Fourth, I want to say this. He is nigh to whisper that he will help. This is a very personal thing. This isn't just the Lord standing at a distance saying, I'll help you. No, he comes right to where you are, to your ear, and he 
by being I can whisper to your heart I will help I will undertake perhaps you remember when Elijah was in the cave it was a still small voice that proved to be the voice of the Lord you say why do you mention that I I think that's just a, a very plain object lesson that we as the people of God need to be listening for the voice of the Lord we need to have our ears peeled take our fingers out of our ears listen for the still small voice of God he is the Lord Jesus says plainly in John 10 my sheep hear my voice and they follow me that's not just occasionally that happens Sometimes one sheep will hear, but not the rest of you. No, my sheep, all of my sheep will hear my voice to them, to their hearts. They will follow me. John, the apostle, puts it in a different way in 1 John. When he talks about if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. You can't have fellowship if only one person's talking. I know there are people in this world who think that that's how it is to be done, and so they undertake to be that way, but that's not the way it is. Fellowship requires interaction. As I would pour my heart out to God. You know the psalmist says, pour your heart out to God. Does it not? Psalm 68, pulling it from memory, I think so. God pours his heart out to us. God pours his heart out to us in the word of God. This is not just an instruction manual. This is not just something that the Lord says as uh, an academic consideration for his people. This is the pouring out of the heart of God. Do you have ears to hear? I say very plainly, the Lord does not leave those that he loves without a speaking to their heart. He doesn't do it. I speak to my sheep they hear my voice you have incidents of this I think often of the apostle Peter when he was full of need when he had his feelings that were so obvious and so blatant and so before the eyes of the world when he denied the Lord Jesus but the Lord Jesus came to him on that seashore and spoke to him very quietly, very personally, very heartily, and allowed there to be a response back to him that was equally hearty, heartful. Samuel is another example of the one who heard the still small voice of God. Samuel. Samuel. Now there he looks up. Okay. We have a Samuel here. The Lord spoke to him. Of course, from that moment on, Samuel was a prophet of God. Paul says that he heard the voice of the one who stood by him that night on on the ship that was storm-ravaged, telling him that he and all that were with him would be saved. We don't hear the voice of our God audibly. But it is still his voice and his word that speaks. If the heart is listening. 
Then my last thought is this. He is nigh to uphold us when we falter. He is nigh to uphold us. It's as if he's there with the arms to catch us. He's nigh to put his arms around us, to hold us up. I think of Peter again as he went to Jesus on the water at this point. You know what happens. Peter sees all the things that were against him. The boisterous waves and so forth begins to sink. And you and I perhaps realize very plainly that was a moment that he could not help himself with the effects of his own unbelief. He was not believing in the power of Christ to keep him and he started to sink. He was being drawn under. And he knew that this was a critically dangerous situation. But my point is this. The Lord Jesus was right there. Now, my thought is this. If Peter only started sinking when he was within an arm's length of the Lord, I don't know that he would have cried out quite so much. Maybe he would have just reached the arm out and grabbed hold of the legs of the Lord. I don't know. It doesn't seem... My thought is it may have been that he was a bit at a distance yet, out of arm's reach under normal circumstances. But the point is this. At the cry of Peter, the Lord Jesus was found to be right there where he was immediately. You see, how did that happen? My question is, how did the Lord walk on the water in the first place? I don't know. It was a power of God. How could the Lord be 20 feet from somebody and then all of a sudden be right there to be able to reach the hand down and pluck him out of the waves? I don't know. The power of God. My point is this. For every child of God, it's the same thing. For those who would call out to the Lord the way Peter did, it's the same thing. And even though you and I may say, but, 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 I falter. Yeah? What makes you different than me? Not a thing. But, no, I not only falter, but I also fail. We are all filled with nothing but failures and offenses that need to be made right with God. In spite of this, in spite of this, the Lord is nigh to them that call on him in truth. Child of God, do not believe the voice of the wicked one who will tell you because you falter, if you call to the Lord, he is not going to hear you because he's disgusted with you. That is a foul lie. Because the scripture says in our text, the Lord is nigh unto them. No, let's take a step back. The Lord is nigh to some of... No, let's take a step back. The Lord is nigh unto all, all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. He will not allow us to go under the waves of our own folly and sin. He will not go far off if we turn to him in truth. He will minister to us. 
Now, if we play the rebel, play those that will go our own way, we'll find the Lord saying, come back. But you might find that you have to take some steps. But to those that call upon him in truth, relying on the Lord Jesus, what Christ has done, and with all the heart, the Lord says, I'm already there. I'm already here. You don't have to look for me. You don't have to go searching for me. I'm here. I'm here. So I conclude with just this last statement using words that are found elsewhere in the New Testament where it says, draw nigh to God. You know that verse? I'm just going to paraphrase it. Not that I mean to amend it. But I think given what we're seeing, seeing here in this verse, the, the sentiment is draw nigh and you will find him already nigh. Draw nigh and you will find him already nigh. May the Lord help our hearts to be those that take the word of God to heart and do as we are bidden. Let's all pray. Our Father and our God, now we would pray that you will let this word sink into our hearts deeply. That it would be that which fosters faith and kills self-reliance. We pray that you will help us to be those who listen well for the voice of our God. Lord, our eyes are unto thee. Our ears are open to thee. Lord, our hands, we want to be used for thee. Lord, we pray that you will help us. Help us for the glory of the Lord Jesus. For we pray it in his name and for his sake. Amen.